This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. It is time for Popit Popit Parliament where we bring you updates from the Day One Rakyat. The first question of the day came from Bentong MP Yong Safura Uthman, who wanted an explanation of the latest data from UNESCO, which said that only 5% of Malaysian youth are involved in TVET programs. So she also wanted to know what the government plans to do to improve the effectiveness of our TVET uh, programs. Deputy Prime Minister Datuk Sri Fadila Yusuf, on behalf of the Prime Minister, said that this number cited by UNESCO was referring to young people within the age ages of 15 to 24 on what the government was planning on doing. He said there were currently plans to collaborate with GLCs and private companies in the implementation of high-impact TVET programs. Young Safura then asked what was being done to pull in young people from rural areas as well as the Orang Asli community uh, to join TVET programs. On this, Fadila said that the government is considering a review of the initial 800 ringgit fee payment, which he said could be one of the constraints for young people's participation in TVET programs. Here he is talking talking about that. Sememangnya uh, program TVET ini merangkumi semua termasuklah di bandar dan juga di luar bandar. Dan seperti mana dikatakan tadi Kementerian Sumber Manusia, uh, Kementerian uh, Kemajuan Desa dan Wilayah, Kementerian Pendidikan serta, ke, serta Kementerian Pendidikan Tinggi semuanya mengadakan uh, program berhubung kait dengan TVET. Dan untuk orang asli misalnya memang dah ada program khusus, khususnya di dilaksanakan di uh, anjuran bersama dengan Persatuan Orang Asli Perak di mana ILP uh, di Ipoh telah pun mengadakan program ini dan kita perlu memberi kesedaran yang lebih kepada penduduk luar bandar uh, dan juga orang asli untuk terlibat bersama dan perlu melibatkan ibu bapa uh, supaya mereka akan dapat bertahan kekal uh, dalam latihan TVET ini dan mereka akan diberi latihan dan dengan itu juga Kementerian sedang mempertimbangkan mungkin salah satu kekangannya ialah dari segi urusan bayaran yuran sebanyak permulaannya 800 dan mungkin ini kalau dapat kita pertimbangkan dibantu mereka mungkin lebih ramailah belia-belia khususnya orang asli akan dapat terlibat bersama dengan latihan latihan TVET ini terima kasih that was Deputy Prime Minister Datuk Sri Fadila Yusof. Let us know, um, we've talked about TVET an awful lot, um, but what do you think are some of the constraints that remain uh, or some of the concerns that parents and people have in sending their children to TVET programs? Has any of this changed over time, despite the fact that we keep talking about it? You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. The MPs then moved on to a discussion on the perennial issue of congestion in our hospitals. So Cebu MP Oscar Ling was the one who brought this up and questioned what the government was planning to do about this. On this, the Deputy Prime Minister took the mic again and said that this pro- problem of overcrowding had continued to persist despite government efforts to build many new hospitals as well as upgrade old hospitals in both rural and urban areas. Following that, he pointed out that the government had formed a special task force to cooperate with the private sector in discussing long, medium and short-term measures. He explained that one of the measures would involve non-critical case patients receiving treatment at private facilities uh, in the case that government hospitals weren't able to accommodate them. Kalau kita melihat mengapa berlakunya kesakan di hospital, 
Walaupun kerajaan telah mengadakan banyak usaha Berapa banyak hospital baru telah dibina Hospital lama dinaik taraf Klinik kesihatan, klinik desa Semuanya dah bertambah banyak Tapi masih berlaku kesakan Jadi kesakan ini pada saya adalah berpunca pertama sekali Menunjukkan bahawa sistem kesihatan kita Oleh semua pegawai-pegawai kesihatan Daripada doktor, nurses kita dan semua kementerian yang terlibat Dalam menjaga kesihatan kita ini dah bertambah baik Bila bertambah baik Keyakinan rakyat untuk pergi ke hospital sebab perkhidmatan kesihatan yang baik sudah pasti akan merujuk kepada hospital kerajaan. Yang kedua disebabkan hospital kita menyediakan perkhidmatan boleh dikatakan hampir percuma. Begitu murah sekali kalau kita bandingkan dengan perkhidmatan hospital swasta. Sebab itu juga mereka hospital kerajaan ini menjadi tumpuan. Dan untuk itulah kalau kita melihat kerajaan juga dah menambah jumlah doktor, Uh, jururawat semua dah bertambah tapi masih berdepan dengan kesakan jadi untuk itulah maka kerajaan telah pun menubuhkan pasukan petugas khas reformasi sektor awam yang dipanggil singkatannya STAR yang dipengusikan oleh Tansui KSN dan dianggotai oleh pelbagai agensi bukan saja Kementerian Kesihatan tapi pelbagai agensi kementerian dan sebagainya di mana mereka berbincang duduk melihat apakah penambahbaikan lagi boleh dijalankan untuk itu maka mereka melaksanakan program secara uh, short term, mid term dan juga long term di mana jalinan kerjasama dengan the private sectors, uh, private hospital dan juga pengamal-kamal perubatan uh, klinik-klinik uh, swasta, uh, swasta uh, untuk berkongsi di mana sebahagian pesakit-pesakit yang mungkin bukan menghadapi pesakit, uh, penyakit yang kritikal akan diboleh mendapat perubatan di klinik-klinik swasta dan juga begitu juga yang datang khususnya waktu odd hours daripada 6 hingga 12 malam kalau yang tak berapa-apa tu di mana mereka boleh dihantar kepada klinik kesihatan berdekatan klinik daerah di mana waktu operasi mereka akan dilanjutkan sehingga ke 12 malam ini merupakan langkah jangka pendek dan juga langkah sederhana dilaksanakan seperti diumumkan juga dalam bajet baru-baru ini skim perubatan madani juga telah diperuntukkan khas di mana akan diberi peruntukan untuk rakyat kita pergi untuk pergi berjumpa dengan pengamal-pengamal perubatan atau the GP untuk membuat rawatan yang tidak kritikal ataupun sakit demam biasa dan sebagainya. That was a long clip, so I'm just letting you know that you are listening to Datuk Sri Fadila Yusof because he goes on to say that how Malaysians, um, you know basically have not been living a healthy lifestyle and that it was the reason the MOH was focusing on awareness as a preventive measure. Jadi, pokok pangkarnya, Datuk Indipertua, mengapa hospital masih sesak? Mungkin mutu perkhidmatan kita dah bertambah baik, tapi pada masa yang sama memberi gambaran bahawa adakah kita di Malaysia ini merupakan tidak mengamalkan budaya hidup yang sihat. Mengapa? Sebab itu lebih ramai terpaksa rujuk ke doktor Pergi ke doktor, demam, sakit dan sebagainya Jadi sebab itu penekanan oleh Kementerian Kesihatan Ialah juga untuk membawa ataupun mempromosikan budaya hidup sihat Ini amat penting sebagai preventive measure yang patut kita fokuskan Di sinilah saya kira peranan semua ahli parlimen 
untuk kita jalankan program bersama dengan Kementerian Kesihatan, doktor-doktor supaya memberi kesedaran mengamalkan budaya hidup sehat ini di kalangan rakyat kita. Supaya hospital, kita tak payah pergi ke hospital lah. Hanya tak ada sakit yang kritikal dan sebagainya. Dan hospital kita tidak akan terbeban dengan kita mengendalikan terlalu banyak kes-kes kesihatan yang akhirnya merugikan negara dari segi kedudukan kewangan dan merugikan rakyat kita sendiri juga. Jadi itu patut menjadi tumpuan kita semua. Terima kasih. That was Deputy Prime Minister Datuk Sri Fadila Yusof. Um, let us know, we opened this up the last time and got a lot of responses. What has been your experience when getting treatment at our public hospitals? Good, bad, long wait? Let us know. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at PFM Radio. Moving on, Paya Besar MP Datuk Muhammad Shaha Abdullah posed a two-part question on the Community-Based Rehabilitation Program Centre, or the PDK. Now, for those who aren't familiar, PDK is an initiative in community development for the rehabilitation, training, education, opportunity equalisation and social integration of people with disabilities. So, Shaha wanted to know the level of usability of every PDK in each constituency, as well as the government's strategy to ensure parents of children with disabilities register their children's admissions to the PDKs. The Minister of Women, Family and Community Development, Datuk Sri Nancy Shukri, said that the ministry constantly monitors these centres by doing visits twice a year as well as random audits. She also explained that the ministry had launched awareness programmes to let people know about the services provided in these centres. Bagi memastikan keselesaan pelatih di pusat, JKM sentiasa memantau pengurusan pertubuhan PDK termasuklah pengurusan fasiliti. Antara contoh pemantauan yang dilaksanakan adalah seperti lawatan secara fizikal ke tempat PDK sekurang-kurangnya dua kali setahun. Membuat audit secara rambang serta lawatan naziran ke atas PDK terpilih. JKM juga ada melakukan semakan silang dengan ROS bagi memastikan status NGO yang merujuk kepada pematuhan syarat ROS. Sehingga 31 Januari 2023, terdapat sebanyak 565 buah PDK yang memberi manfaat kepada lebih 18,000 orang OKU di seluruh negara termasuk dua buah PDK di kawasan Parlimen yang berhormat iaitu Parlimen Payah Besar. Setiap PDK ini dikelolakan oleh seorang penjelian dan beberapa orang petugas dan untuk makluman OKU yang hadir ke PDK ini dinamakan pelatih. Sementara itu, Tuan Yadi Pertua Kementerian Pembangunan Wanita Keluarga dan Masyarakat KPWKM amat mengambil berat tentang hak anak-anak OKU untuk mendapatkan perkhidmatan dan pemulihan yang sewajarnya. Justru KPWKM turut mempergiatkan usaha bagi meningkatkan peluang dan ruang kepada ibu bapa yang mempunyai anak OKU untuk mendaftar kemasukan anak mereka ke PDK. Antara langkah dilakukan adalah menjalankan program PDK bersama penduduk setempat untuk memberi pendedahan kepada umum mengenai program dan perkhidmatan PDK. Di samping itu, KPWKM juga turut melaksanakan program Turun Padang bagi menghebahkan maklumat berkaitan PDK. Program ini dilaksanakan berdasarkan semakan Sistem Maklumat Orang Kurang Upaya ataupun SMOKU yang akan memberi gambaran jelas tentang taburan OKU berdaftar yang boleh diberi perkhidmatan pemulihan melalui PDK. That was Minister of Women, Family and Community Development, Datuk Sri Nancy Shukri. 
Moving on, Kuala Terengganu MP Dato Ahmad Amzad Hashim wanted to know what the plans were, what plans were in place to implement targeted subsidies for RON95 petrol, liquefied petroleum gas, as well as cooking oil to the B40 community. Deputy Finance Minister Dr. Sri Ahmad Maslan responded to this by explaining that subsidies had been seen to help in alleviating the rising cost of living, but because it hadn't been done in a targeted way, there had been leakage. So he went on to say that the first step to remedy this would be to tackle energy subsidies this year, mainly the ones paid by multinational corporations. Langkah pemberian subsidi dan bantuan dilihat berjaya mengurangkan kesan kenaikan kos sari hidup rakyat. Walau bagaimanapun, pelaksanaan yang tidak bersasar menyebabkan ketirisan berlaku. Jurang harga yang tinggi antara harga pasaran dan harga bersubsidi telah meningkatkan risiko penyeludupan, terutamanya diesel. Ini dapat dilihat dari kecenderungan penggunaan diesel yang meningkat hampir satu kali ganda. Justru kerajaan komited dalam melaksanakan pemberian subsidi secara bersasar bagi mengurangkan ketirisan. Langkah pertama yang diambil adalah melalui pemberian subsidi bil elektrik secara bersasar pada separuh tahun 2023 apabila sebahagian kos dilepaskan kepada industri termasuk perbadanan multinasional. Melalui langkah ini, kerajaan masih menanggung jumlah subsidi elektrik sebanyak RM10.8 bilion ringgit berbanding jumlah asal sebanyak 14.9 bilion ringgit. Kerajaan juga sedang mengkaji pelaksanaan pemberian subsidi secara bersasar berasaskan kepada model yang bersesuaian dan keboleh laksanaan. Pelaksanaan pemberian subsidi secara bersasar ini akan tetap memanfaatkan sebahagian besar rakyat Malaysia tanpa memberi implikasi yang besar kepada kenaikan kos sehari hidup. That was Deputy Finance Minister Datuk Sri Ahmad Maslan. Uh, what do you think are some other strategies that the government could look into when it comes to subsidies? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Things were pretty calm up to this point. But then they started heating up a little bit between the MPs during the debate session. So while debating Budget 2023, Kota Melaka MP Ku Pui Tiong brought up an allegation linking Pago MP Tan Sri Muhyiddin Yassin to a lucrative contract reported to have been awarded to his uh, to Muhyiddin Yassin's son-in-law. Puan Speaker, saya beri penjelasan. Yeah, Kita semua satu Malaysia sudah tahu telah disiarkan dalam surat kabar. Saya Semua tahu, saya tahu bahawa MACC sekarang tengah, tengah menyiasat anak menantu Pago. Ini satu Malaysia tahu, satu dunia tahu. Saya berani kata di sini mengikut laporan surat kabar. Ya bahawa menurut berita, sumber berita, Pago anak menantu Pago disiasat oleh MACC. Ya, saya teruskan perbahasan saya. So before he could continue, uh, he was interrupted by Pendang MP Dato Awang Hashim who raised Standing Order 36, which states that no MP is allowed to impute improper motives to another member in the House. Standing Order. Kata tentang standing Order. Standing Order. Mereka 36. adalah bersih. Mereka adalah stable. Disebut pagu. Yeah. 36. 
Seseorang ahli tidak boleh mengeluarkan sangka jahat ke atas sesiapa disebut paguh secara individu. Saya minta tarik balik ataupun minta maaf sebab kalau berani tuduh di luar. Kita berjumpa di mahkamah. Tarik balik. Saya tidak akan tarik balik. Bukan ya, saman pun. Yang tak boleh disebut paguh individu. Seseorang ahli tidak boleh mengeluarkan sangka jahat ke atas siapa-siapa ahli lain. 366. Itu bukan sangkaan jahat. Dia sudah sebut paguh. Kota Melaka minta paguh, cek handset. Pendang, Dia sebut paguh. This led to an escalation, a shouting match between the two MPs with the Pendang MP demanding proof of these allegations. Here's a little bit of that. Surat kabar tersebut nanti saya boleh berkatakan. Surat disiarkan di semua surat kabar. Surat kabar apa? Betul. Sebut surat kabar. Itu general. Peraturan. Sila tarik balik. Kita nak surat kabar. Tarik mahkamah mana sebut. I've missed these times. Um, so this shouting match continued until Deputy Speaker Alice Lau muted both their mics and called for Tan Sri Muhyiddin Yassin to defend himself. Uh, he, of course, maintained that the allegation was false, which led to the Deputy Speaker ordering Ku to retract his statement. And he said, OK, I'll reframe it. And that is all we have for today. So a recap of some of the topics that were discussed before that shouting interlude. Um, TVET programs and whether uh, basically what are some of the things that are standing in the way of them becoming more popular or more taken up um, and whether the 800 ringgit initial fee should be reviewed, the issue of overcrowding in our public hospitals and the need for better health awareness, um, what's being done to encourage more parents to register for service provided at community-based rehabilitation program centres, as well as targeted subsidies. If you'd like to weigh in uh, on any of those topics, you can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 5.37, you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. And we're just following up on Popit Popit Parliament, where today we talked about a number of things, um, including TVET programs and uh, whether that 800 ringgit initial fee should be reviewed, whether there are other things that are standing in the way of people and parents wanting to enroll their children, you know, just all that sort of stuff. Uh, also, the issue of overcrowding in our public hospitals and uh, whether or not there needs to be more of a focus on prevention and awareness. We've been asking you what's your experience been like going to public hospitals, whether it's good, bad, somewhere in between. We want to know. Um, and if you want to weigh in on TVET as well, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So to start us off, we do actually have a voice note that's come in on the subject of TVET. Uh, this is from Brad Brian. Um, this is Brian. I'm actually part of the Federation of Malaysian Manufacturers, uh, currently serving as the youth chairman. Um, yes, in the manufacturing industry, there is a huge need for TVET um, students, right? We really need them in technical. And yes, there is a, a huge lack in, in uh, TVET skilled workers uh, right now. And um, I think from the marketing standpoint, there's still a lot needs to be done to market to parents not just parents, but also the student themselves to, to see that this this route of education, right, this route of career is good. Um, it's not as easy 
uh, as it seems because it we really need to get to the grassroots of problem um, but what we've been doing is really trying to shine or, or show that manufacturing is not bad right yes most people think that manufacturing is the 3d right the dirty the dangerous and demeaning however manufacturing has changed quite a lot these days right we have high-tech manufacturing um, in Slango, in penang and even in johor building world-class products um, for the world and that 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 mindset of manufacturing um, not being a good career path um, is slowly changing is slowly changing uh, younger people are going into uh, manufacturing a lot of them are second generation third generation and we are working on it however i would say that right now at where it stands um, no there is still a lot needs to be done and it's not as easy um, as it seems right it's a very grassroots problem Brian, thanks so much for that voice note. Um, a lot of interesting points. Um, absolutely. I agree with you, Brian, that a lot of this has to do with perception um, and sort of historical baggage when it comes to the industry, right? Um, and while the reality in the fields themselves may be changing, I think fixing that perception um, needs to happen on multiple levels. I also think that, and and this may not be the case with every manufacturing company. But I think there is, of course, also a problem with things like um, career advancement, uh, pay, perks, all of which go into the reputation of these jobs being not quite desirable. I'm also thinking about how um, you, we often talk about generational differences, right? And one of the things that comes up is the idea that Gen Z and beyond need um, I think it, it started creeping in with the millennials and then over time it's become increasingly important. Um, that sense of purpose, that sense of service to the world, um, I think that is a, a Gen Z trait, is it not? Something to do with feeling like you're contributing in a positive way to the world, that you are of service. And um, I, I think it's going to be quite interesting to see, of course, not every person can afford to have that mindset going into work. Sometimes you just need work because you need to earn money, because you need to live. Um but I think in the long term, for for industries like manufacturing that don't necessarily have a romanticism attached to them, I, I think it's kind of interesting to see what that narrative could potentially be in terms of, of purpose, you know, in terms of words like that. Um, I, I mean, I, I completely agree. And I think that's why I found it quite interesting when Brian talked about um, how the even what manufacturing is has changed. Um, and therefore, I wonder whether exactly that, right, the sense of purpose, meaning to move away from an assembly line idea mm. and rather to talk about, well, here's what you'll be doing. Here's the outcome of that job. And here's how it contributes to society, the world, the elevation of people's lives, uh, whether some of that needs to happen. Is Essentially, I guess what I'm talking about is a PR shift, right? Yes, um, it's it's a PR shift and it's getting it right in terms of appealing to the people that you want to be joining mm. the industry. Uh, moving on, though, we have messages that have come in on the subject of health. Uh, let's start with this from Simon, who says, just sharing a bit of not-so-healthy experience of one particular hospital visit. Um, I bring my wife over to Hospital Ampang every six months for assessment and cancer medications under the national MyUbat system. Although officially doctors only start appointments at 9am, people are queuing up as early as 6 to get queue numbers for the respective clinics. This makes the hospital seem overcrowded even before any of the clinics start functioning. People actually fill up the halls two hours before 
before they actually open. To add on to more of this, most of the available limited parking are already used by the staff. This contributes to an extreme car crawl up and down the building for spots. Most cars I see at the rooftop level are even double parked with their handbrake actually off. Um, at times, people are even expected to push the cars around themselves to make way for their cars to go in and out. Yeah, I mean, this sounds very similar to complaints people have had about facilities not really accommodating the needs of patients who are coming to these hospitals, right? Especially given the volume of people who use our public uh, public healthcare centres. Yes. Um, and also, you know, that that thing about people lining up, we see this happening all the time in almost any government service, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, it opens at seven or eight, but you'll have people lining up from five. And that comes from the belief, um, you know, often sadly kind of uh, often sadly proven true that mm. bureaucracy grinds slowly and therefore you need to be there early because if not, if you get there at the time that they open, which is eight, you only get served at 11. And so um, I, I hear you, Simon. I don't know what the solution is. Saying go faster, I think, is certainly not not the only way. I've never understood why an appointment isn't just an appointment. Why is it that you can't make an appointment and turn up for your appointment? Instead, you have to make an appointment, turn up three hours early, take a number, line up. Then what's the point of an appointment system? The appointment is just to let them know you're coming on the day. Right. That's all it is. And yeah, I think that that could certainly be improved. Um, Awang says it's exceedingly optimistic reasoning that Malaysians attend public hospitals because the facilities are great. No doubt some are good, but actually how many B40 and even low M40 can afford a health emergency and visit a private hospital? Salary and income are not rising as much compared to healthcare cost inflation. Uh, Nevertheless, kudos to him and the government for highlighting preventative programs and healthy lifestyles. I hope Malaysians will have time and opportunity for it, such as leisure time to exercise and uh, affordable healthy food. Um, I think this is a very relevant point to make. Now, I will say there are many public hospitals where facilities are good, doctors are great, where care is both affordable and very, very, um, you know, delivered excellently. However, I think that the problem is that the, the, the negative experiences are starting to outweigh the positives. Um, and I think it shouldn't be the case. Public health care shouldn't just be affordable. It should be quality. Let us know what you think. Um, on Pope Pope Parliament, we covered both TVET and whether whether there are boundaries, or, or not boundaries, whether there are barriers that stand in the way of people wanting to uh, participate in it for there to be greater take-up. Um, and then speaking of greater take-up, we're talking also about the issue of overcrowding in our public hospitals and whether we really need to be focusing on preventative measures uh, on health awareness. Uh, We're asking also what your experience has been like in the public hospital setting. That number to call is 7733-2900. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.